Well, at this moment, Jesus is setting a kingdom table filled with Chinese and Russians and Iranians and Americans and Colombians and Venezuelans, and we celebrate that fact that Jesus is doing a great work that we may not always see. Um, I want to introduce you to a new friend, uh, Juan Hernandez. Uh, Juan has come all the way from Colombia, um, and I'm going to interview him. Uh, by the way, this is Dave Bruscus. Dave, wave it, everybody. There you go. Dave is our A29 director for the South Central uh, area. Uh, he helps us kind of figure out church planting, and um, he's been a, in recent days, he's been a personal mentor in a lot of ways, just kind of helping me think through things. And so, Dave, we're grateful for you, brother. Congrats on your new role over the U.S. So, um, all right, Juan, uh, this is Juan. Juan, is your mic on? Uh, yeah, it is Okay, on. <laughs> it is on. Good. All right. Uh, Juan, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from, and what are you doing there? Okay. Hello to everybody. Uh, my name is Juan. I come from Colombia. Barranquilla is a city that is in the north coast of the country. I'm married for the last 18 years. I have one daughter, Sarita. She's the most beautiful princess in the world. She's about to turn 13, so please pray for me. Uh, I'm pastoring uh, Rescue Mission Church. That's the name. It's in English. That's another story, but it's in, it's in Colombia. Uh, I have the privilege to pastor with another three uh, brothers who are very faithful to the Lord, so I'm grateful for that. One of them is uh, with me in Dallas, not here. He's preaching in another church in this moment. Well, I believe he finished now. Okay, I hope he did well. Um, and well, we are more excited to see what the Lord is doing in Colombia, so I hope to share a little bit with you what the Lord is doing in that particular region where there is an awakening for sound theology, for looking for the scripture and following Jesus Christ and be centered in the gospel. So you'll probably share this a little bit more later, but you're working on a, a seminary that's basically exploded right now. Yeah, that's amazing. That's something that the Lord just did. Uh, three years ago, we, uh, after making our own transition because we were not centered in the gospel, in the church, uh, we realized that in our city, for example, there are 2,000 churches uh, that identify themselves as Christian churches, but out of those 2,000 churches, we didn't find five churches that were preaching the gospel. The rest are just focused on legalism or uh, prosperity gospel, which is a huge, uh, massive uh, da damage in the country. So we were praying for two years every morning, just asking the Lord to bring us uh, a seminary, a ministry to uh, training the people there because, uh, like me, Almost every pastor, just, they didn't go to seminary. They just uh, follow the call if they have the call and, and start pastoring. And the Lord, uh, he, he likes to do things with out of nothing. So uh, we just start a seminary. We put a, an ugly, a very ugly advertisement. I can say it was very ugly because I designed it. It was PowerPoint uh, asking, you want to study theology? Come, it's free. That's what we say. Uh, we were expecting like 30 guys, and um, by God's grace, now we have more than 1,200 students. They are all studying for free. They are pastors, deacons, uh, leaders, teachers. So the Lord has been amazing. Uh, so we are seeing a awakening and a, and a growing in, in people looking for the world. That's so awesome. praise be the Lord. Awesome. So father, husband, uh, seminary, basically, I guess, chancellor or president, something like that. Um, and then you get pastor and A29 over, he's over A29 in Columbia. He doesn't really play that up much. He's a very humble guy is what I'm learning from Juan. So you have a lot to pray for, for Juan here. So Juan, we're, we're ready to have you, brother. Thank you for sharing with thank us. Thank you for the opportunity. If you're okay, can I just pray yeah, for please, you and pray please, for us? Please. Father God, we just thank you so much for bringing a brother all the way from Columbia to remind us, Father, that your sovereignty and your reign extends all over the world. Father, I pray that as we receive a word from him, that you will be glorified. As we take a break from Ruth and Esther, I pray that this will be the message that someone here has needed, Lord, for a long time to repent of sin, to see their need for Jesus. And Father, I just pray, God, that you will do a great work uh, through our brother Juan. And just, um, Father, be with him. Uh, be with us. Help our hearts to be uh, broken open uh, by your gospel. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, brother, you, it's all Joseph. yours. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm very glad when I find out that the name of the church is Grace Church because uh, I need your grace. So, so you can follow me with grace during my uh, preaching in English. is not my, my first language, so it will be a challenge. Like the third time I preach in, in English. So please show mercy and grace with me today. 
So if you join me, uh, I'm going to walk with you in the first book of Corinthians, the chief first letters to the Corinthians church. So I will be uh, addressing chapter 11, starting in verse 17. So if you have your Bible there, I will, I will read, I will pray, um, God's will. I will be sharing uh, the sermon. Okay? Okay, so let's read. Starting in verse 17, it says like this. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment of himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not become them along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Please, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you because your word has the power enough to bring salvation to those who are still condemned. Because your word, your word, Lord, has the power to build up the church. Because your word is eternal. Is enough, is sufficient. So I ask you in Jesus' name to bless my brothers and sisters this morning. I ask you in Jesus' name that you give me the grace to talk, the mercy when I think about myself, boldness because if your word and it comes with authority, but also allow us together to honor you. Because that's the most important thing in this morning. Honor your holy name. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so when I was thinking and praying about coming to, to preach in this Sunday, uh, well, I come from Colombia, and maybe you are expecting a sermon about missions, and now I come with 1 Corinthians 11, so no, not too much about missions. But I hope that at the end of the sermon, you can see the relation that it sees between missions, global missions, and the local church. Because without the local church, without a healthy local church, without understanding what a local church looks like and what's important in the local church when it's gathering, we won't be able to achieve a good ministry in global missions. So I hope that you can see that at the end of the sermon. That, that will be my goal. Um, the title for this sermon will be A Good Sunday. So I, I want you to think with me, to walk with me in this question. What def defines a good Sunday worship service. When you go out of this place, when you go to your house, when you talk to other brothers and sisters, when you talk with your spouse and your children and your parents, hey, what's a good Sunday today? What defines a good Sunday? So maybe the, the answer to that for some one of you might be, okay, I, I evaluate the sermon, which I hope you are very merciful today. So to say it was a good Sunday because the, the, the word was preached very well. It was very crystal. It was very clear. The gospel was proclaimed. This is really important. 
Some others might be evaluating the worship, the, see, the, the, the part of the worship time, the band or, or, or the lyrics were very focused on the word, so that's something that you can evaluate. Maybe somebody else evaluate the prayer time. Okay, we, you, you see, we were really praying. I think we were really close to the throne of God. Some, some other folks might think uh, about the, the, the kids' ministry or the Sunday school before the, the worship Sunday. Others might be thinking about the food. I saw that you have a small cafeteria there with donuts and coffee. Oh, the coffee was so great today. You see it, I really love that Sunday. I remember that coffee. I don't know who bring it, but that was amazing. I couldn't bring coffee, by the way, because it didn't allow me. I was just carrying a carry-on baggage, and uh, US doesn't allow me to bring coffee in a carry-on. That's why I didn't bring it. Um, other people might be thinking about the attendance. We were all packed. You see, no empty chairs, so that was so good, a good Sunday. But when we think about these verses that we just read, we realize that there is a different perspective what God has in mind. I'm not saying that the sermon, the worship, uh, uh, the, the prayer is not important. Of course, it's important, and we have to pursue that in a worship Sunday. But the approach that we're going to see here is totally different. The Lord is inspiring Paul to make a rebuke in the church of Corinthians. But the, the rebuke is not about the sermon. The rebuke is not about the worship time. The rebuke is about the relationship between the members of the church when they come together as a church. What we're doing here is what is described in this text. So I want you to keep that in mind because sometimes we read the Bible and we see it so far away from us. And what we just read is what Paul is correcting that what's happening when the church the church came together to worship the Lord, just in the way that we are supposed to be doing this morning. Amen to that? Okay, thank you. So, um, when we think about this, maybe you say, okay, this is not like an easy text. You are talking about some people are dying, some people is ill, some people are, are, are weak. So. Paul is saying, I will not commend you. So, Pastor Justin, you just brought this guy from Colombia to rebuke us? Oh, come on. That's, that's not the best way to, to start a relationship. But I hope that you can see with me that what we have here is more than a rebuke. It's a family meeting. And what's happening here is that the Lord is inspiring Paul to let us know that when we are together as a church, it's not just an entity that is gathering. It's not a club. It's a family. We are children of God. And our Father looks and, and makes an evaluation about what a good fa to a family or meeting together looks like. It. We, if you... Uh, have uh, growing up kids, and maybe you already have grandchilds, maybe you can understand this a little more better. When a parent, a grandparent, has their kids come home, with their grandkids come home, how do they evaluate what's a good meeting of the family? The food, the music, the games, or the relationship, the interaction between. If you can have the, the greatest food in the world, but if your kids are not speaking to each other, you won't say, what a great meal. So bad they didn't talk to each other, but what a great meal. <laughs> you, 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 you are not going to say that. You're going to be sad. Maybe you're going to be mad, because if they are together as a family, the first thing will be, how well are they relating to each other? And that is what we have in this text. So I will go for three, three I forgot the word in Spanish, in English. I, I, through three parts of the sermon. The first part will be the rebuke, that it, we, we will find it in verses 17 to 22. Then we are going to see the reason of the rebuke in verses 23 to 26, and we will end in verses 27 to 34 with warnings, but also with hope, because there is hope in this text. Uh, maybe you think, wow, this is a scary. I don't want to read this text anymore. People might die when we uh, go to the Lord's Supper next time. But this, there is hope in this. Yes, people might die. Yes, people get ill. Yes, people is, is weak, but there is hope in our text. So I hope that you can see that in the sermon. So 
There is a rebuke, and the, the, the letter to the, to the Corinthians, this first letter, is full of rebukes. If you start reading it, Paul is start addressing like, uh, you have factions in the church, one people is saying, I prefer Paul, no, I don't like the style of Paul, I prefer Peter, I, I, I go for Apollos, and there are some more spiritual people in the church who say, I follow Christ. And now those are the words, because those are the saying that I don't need anybody else, I just need Christ. But not in a good way, but in a way that I, I don't even need the church. So there is a lot of rebukes in this letter, but also it's an encouraging letter because when I struggled in my own ministry, thinking about, Lord, this church, oh, this last week has been so bad. This situation, this guy did that, that lady did other thing. This guy make the same thing again. And we feel like discouraged as leaders. We go to First Corinthians and we see that these guys were having a lot of issues. Divisions, they, they, they were adultery, they were people uh, demanding one each other in the, in the civil courts. But during the whole letter, there is one word that remains, brothers, dear brothers. So Paul is establishing something, even though they are sinners, they are children of God. So that's something not, not, not encouraging to keep singing, because if you think that, maybe you are not safe, but encouraging to, in the middle of our struggles, we are still children of God, and that brings hope and encouragement for me as a pastor. So in this part, the review comes the same. Let's, let's read the, the verses again, 17 to 22, to see the review that Paul is giving here. He said, but in the following instructions, there are instructions, there are commands. This is not something like an option. This is something that they have to do. It's an order. I do not commend you. Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. So Paul is not just saying, I will rebuke you, but he say, I will not commend you, and he gives the reason why he won't commend you. He says, because when you come together, when you are on, on a Sunday worship service, it's not for the better, but for the worse. I, I don't know about you, but this is very scary. This is something that we have to think about it because we are supposed to be the church. So what better moment should be in the middle of the week than when the church gathered together? But Paul is saying that we come together, they came together, not for the good, but for the worse. So I believe that is a reminder here, a warning for us, because it might be that somebody here is gathering together for the worse. So I hope that you can allow the Holy Spirit to talk to your heart and you can examine yourself to see if you are gathering for the good or you are gathering for the worse, as the, as the letter is saying. What's the reason? Verse 18. For in the first place, and I don't know if you noticed when we were reading, but there is no second place. It's only first place. Paul says in first place, but usually when you say in first place, you are expecting and in second and third place, but there is no second place, there is no third place in this text. It is only first place. And what is the reason? Because he's making more importance in what Paul is going to say. This is the first place, calling the attention of the church in that city. So I believe we have to pay attention to what Paul is about to tell us in this letter. In first place, when you come to together as a church, so, so that is very clear, clear in our text that is talking about this kind of meeting. When you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. I hear there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, is what Paul is saying here. I believe it in part. Okay. So the divisions that Paul is addressing here is divisions that are like a consequences of the flesh. It's, it's, it's a work of the flesh. It's, it's not divisions about sound doctrine. It's not divisions about something that has to be uh, worthy to have a division. If somebody's saying that Jesus Christ didn't come in flesh, if somebody's saying that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, if somebody's saying that there are possibility of salvation out of Christ, okay, so we welcome the division. But this is not the kind of divisions that Paul is addressing here. It's about the division. It's the same word that you can find in the, in the letter to the Galatians churches. 
So it's, it's an act of the flesh. It's a deed of the flesh, work of the flesh, what we have here. Sometimes the doctrinal divisions will be necessary, but I want you to think about how the church lately, I believe in the last year, has been experiencing divisions within the church for reasons that are not worthy of being divided, for reasons that are not worthy to be fighting to each other, for reasons that Christ as our King and Savior is not approving. Too many times, my, my dear brothers and sisters, we divide ourselves from our brothers. We, we have to start hard feelings in our hearts. And not always about issues that are public issues, but, well, you know, that brother, the last week I passed by and he didn't say hi. So uh, I, will, I won't be sitting to him next, uh, next, next, I won't be sitting next to him next Sunday. That sister sent a message to everybody in the church when they have their birthday, but this year I didn't receive my message. So I won't talk to that sister anymore, at least for a couple of weeks, so she can notice that I'm mad. <laughs> and, and we start having issues in our hearts, in our minds, with our brothers and sisters. That's what's happening here. There are divisions. Um, the, the, the situation of the divisions among the church is something that we, we are not supposed to handle with, ah, that's something that's happening everywhere. That's something that we have to take care about it. We, we should not allow ourselves to be divided, to be having a, a hard feelings, or to have something in our heart, preventions against somebody else in the church. We start gossiping. We start like, okay, where this guy, did, did he arrive? Where is he seated? Over there, okay, I go to the next, to the next uh, part or the other side of the, class, or the, the room because I don't want to share with him. If he's coming my way, I will take my cell phone out. I will pretend I will, will be, oh, oh, oh yeah. And no. And that's something very sad that might happen in our churches. And that's what precisely the Holy Spirit is addressing here through the Apostle Paul. And why is this important? Because the division is a fruit of selfishness. And we live in a culture that is always encouraging selfishness. You have to think about yourself. You, you, you have to go first. You are the most important one. Everything has to, 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 to be spinning around you. And that's in the culture, but sadly, we can see sometimes that in our churches. Sometimes we see that in the middle of our Bible study group, our families, because we still struggle with the flesh. We still struggle with the sin. And too many times, so many times, people is in the church, but is not with the church. I, I, I don't know if I make myself clear. You can be here. You can be in the church, but not be with the church. And that's something that we have to understand because this is chapter 11, but in chapter 12, Paul is going to, in chapter 13 and 14, Paul is going to be giving us illustration about what the church is, and he's going to be using the illustration of a body with too many parts. So the hand, the eye, the mouth, the head, the foot. So the, the idea is that you cannot be here saying, I'm, the, I'm with the church, but I don't need the church. Because there is one reality that, that theologically speaking is very good. Well, the building is not the church. You are the church. So people say, I am the church. And that's true, but there is other part that is needed. Yes, you are the church, but you cannot be the church without the church. I will repeat it. I know it's a kind of messy. <laughs> yes, you are the church. The Holy Spirit lives in you. That's what the Bible says. That's, that's a, a true. You are the church, but you cannot be the church without the church. So you need the church. You cannot be divided with the church. That, that's something that is, is not uh, allowed in the world. That's something that is, is not a, 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 a work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the believers. Think about chapter 2 of the book of Acts. We are not going there, but think about it. In, in the last part of chapter 2, verses 41 to, through 47, uh, Luke is giving us a perspective of how the first church, the first local church, looks like it. And they say that they were uh, 
having meals together, they were praying together, they were persevering in the, in the teaching, in the doctrine of the apostles, they were selling all the properties, they didn't consider any of the goods that they have, like their own, but they sell it and they give it to the apostles so they can meet all the needs of the church. And now we have a church that is divided and is being selfishness. It's, it's, it's now we have a church that when they come together for the Lord's Supper, they don't wait each other. And not just that, but sometimes they come, they have their own meal, watching the other brother that is uh, starving and saying, maybe you are in sin, I don't know. Uh, thinking that maybe if you have no food, it's because you haven't been good enough. Maybe you did something and you haven't confessed. But the point is that that's not the church that is full of the Holy Spirit. And that's something that we have to think about it. The, the unity of the church is something supernatural. I, I, I was very happy to listen that here we have people from different countries. Not just the States, Colombia, Venezuela, but I hear from India, I hear from Malaysia, I guess. So that's, that's something amazing. How is that people so different? Because we are different. Even if you are just in the States, Texas is different from Alaska. People from there is different from people from here in a lot of stuff and cultural, uh, too many issues. How come we are together? Because the unity of the, church, of the church is something supernatural. And the first supernatural uh, point that we have to see in the unity of the church is that Christ is part of the church. He's the head of the church. And that, my friends, is supernatural. That's something uh, that I cannot understand. How Jesus, God himself, is one with me. Think about that. How come the Son of God, now he said that he's my elder brother, that he is one with me? Because in, in the book of John, he's saying, I in them, like you are in me, bound together. That's something supernatural. And maybe when I say this, maybe you start to think, some of you might be starting to think, yeah, I know, but Juan, you, you come from Colombia. You really do not understand what's happening in our country, and I, I'm not pretending to understand what's happening here. So maybe you say, yeah, 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 it sounds good, but you haven't heard what they say about polit politics. You haven't said what they think about masks, about COVID, about any other situation. So yeah, good advice, but no, thank you, Juan. I don't pretend to understand that, but I understand something is that you are a human being. And if you are a human being, you are like me because I'm a human being. And my heart has the same issues. My heart has the same sin. I, I struggle with the same things that you struggle. Maybe in Colombia it's not COVID because by law, everybody has to wear masks as soon as they cross the door. If we don't, we can go to jail. So maybe that's not the issue. But there are other issues when I can feel like, I don't want to talk to this guy. I, I will make a pastoral confession because I'm here, and the people in the church do not speak English. So I will make a pastoral confession. <laughs> so it will come out. It will help me out. Sometimes I have come to my office after having a meeting with somebody in the church who has being with me, I don't know, 15, 20 times, having the same conversation, and I say, Lord, there are more churches. <laughs> I was a pastoral confession. <laughs> there are more. Why here? Why me? Four pastors, and he always chose me. So I struggle with the same because I'm a sinner. But the point is that we do not live according to our uh, natural condition. Because yes, we're still human beings, but we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Amen? So that's, that's the difference. So maybe you, you keep thinking, yeah, I have reasons to, to have you know, some distance with these people, and maybe you are taking uh, advantage of social distance because of COVID, but you say, COVID, COVID, but it's not COVID, it's that you don't like the guy, you don't like that lady. <laughs> COVID, please, please, COVID. But it's not COVID, just COVID came to be a good thing for you in this moment. But 
I want you to go with me to, yeah, it happens to everybody. Uh, in verse 23, Paul will give the reason for the rebuke, and I think all our arguments will go, gonna go, will go apart when we read this. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, Paul is saying that they will not commend the church for the divisions and the selfishness that is among the church. And the reason is the last supper. Mm, interesting. Because Paul is, is addressing this last meal that Jesus has with the disciples. And let me say this, because Paul is not just saying, because the last night that the Lord was with the disciple. He's not just saying the last time that he ate with them. He's saying very, something very specific. In the verse uh, 23, he says, the night when he was betrayed. That's, that's the, 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 the key point for us here. The night that he was betrayed. He's addressing what you did. But the point here is that that night, when he was betrayed, he shared the meal even with Jude. So if there was an opportunity, a situation, a circumstance that Jesus had to be able to say, I want to have social distance with Jude, that was it. You know, Jude, mm, three years with me, but in this moment, I don't want you to be here. No. There is a moment when Jesus asked you to, to go and do what he was able to do, what he wants to do. But before that, he also offered you the bread. He shared with you. He was there with you, even though that he knew that you was going to betray him. So that was the example of Jesus for us. And that's what Paul is addressing here. He's saying, okay, maybe you think that you have the right to have distance with that brother or that sister. Maybe you believe that you have good reasons. And maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe when you go and expose your case with one elder or one leader, you say, you know, I'm taking distance or I don't want to be with this person for this reason. Maybe you have a case. Maybe you will win this uh, conversation. But the point is that in the church, it's not about making the case. In the church, it's not about having the reason. In the church, it's about following Christ's example by the power of his Holy Spirit. Because Jesus was betrayed. And maybe you think about just Jews, but think about Peter. Peter was about to deny Jesus three times. Even at the time to say under uh, uh, having a course on himself. I don't know that man. But Jesus was eating with Peter. And maybe you think James and the other apostles, all of them were about to run away from Jesus. But no matter that, Jesus was eating with them. That's the point. When you think about your, the sisters, the, the, the brothers that you have in your local church, they will hurt you. And you will say, Juan, you, don't, you, you do not understand. That brother is very difficult. And yes, I know there are brothers, like the one I referenced uh, minutes before. There are brothers that make it hard to love them. That make it, I want to have a better relationship with this person, but it's hard, it's difficult. Maybe you have a point, but the truth is that that's the case. I, I mean, you are supposed to, to love the, the brothers and sisters in your local church because they are difficult as you are. And it's easy to love somebody who just came to visit. Uh, I... Uh, uh, sometimes we receive pastor visitors back in Colombia. Um, people come to say, oh, do you see this pastor? He's so lovely. He played with all the kids. He was just running away with the kids and everything. He was so kind. Oh, what a great pastor. And I say, yeah, because they don't know you. <laughs> that pastor don't know your kids. So that's why, he, oh, come here, all of you. 
but he will depart Monday morning, and maybe he won't see you ever again. <laughs> but I, I am here with you for the last 11 years, and I hope to be for the next 30 years with you and your kids. And maybe it's the other part. Maybe you will finish this service, I, I hope so, and say, oh, so good to have one here. I hope to see Juan again. Juan, I will miss you. You know why? Because you don't know me. That's the reason it's easy, because you don't know me. But that's the beauty of the local church. That's the beauty of loving brothers and sisters that you know, because you know their sins, you know their imperfections, you know their struggles. Uh, no matter that, you love them, because that's the reflection of the gospel. Jesus do not love us because we are so good. The good news about the gospel is that he loves us, despite us. I don't know about you, but when I think about myself and think about the, the love of Jesus, I believe, well, it's amazing. Because I know myself. And he loves me. That's the beauty of the gospel. Because if I, if I was a good person, uh, an easy person, uh, a person easy to love, well, th there is nothing good. There is no grace. There is no mercy. But Jesus knows me, and he loves me. That's the beauty of the gospel. And that's what he's, he is expecting from every single member of his family to do. Love that person. Love that sister. Love that brother who is not easy, who maybe likes the other team. I hear that in Dallas is the Stallions or the Cowboys. The Cowboys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Show mercy. Maybe you say he loved the stallions, and I cannot take it. Well, <laughs> Jesus loves you. And that's the point. He, he, the night he was betrayed, he, he took it all, and he shared it. So it's a, it's a good case. Jesus showed mercy and compassion. Uh, so when you say, well, but it's difficult, I, I think I won't do it. If this person wants me to love him, or he wants me to, to start, uh, uh, talking to him again, treating him in a, in a way that we used to have, he has to earn it. He has to work it out. He has to deserve it. But my friend, that's totally anti-gospel. Because you start to live in and acting in the church according to the law, according to works, okay? I will love you if you do this or do that, or you stop doing this or doing that. I, I don't want to confuse anybody here. I don't want to, to think that I'm saying that you have to allow to any person to do whatever they want to do, and you have to love them just because. Because that's a cheap grace, and that's not the gospel. But I'm saying that you have to understand that the Christians that will hurt you the most are the Christians sitting next to you in this morning. You know who's the person who hurt my wife the most? I'm guilty. You know who's the Christian who hurts me the most? My wife. And after my wife, my daughter. Why? Because she's the nearest person to me. So I'm with both of them all the time. So I'm doing this. They know my sins. They know my defects. They, they know my, my struggles. But I'm supposed to love them the most. And that's why God provides us with a local church. When you say that they have to earn it, you are not living by grace. You are living by works. And that's totally against the gospel. You are supposed to love your brothers and sisters in this local church because God loves you. Because they belong to Christ. Because now they are, uh, sometimes, I don't know, we, we, we use the, the word brother, sister, it's so often that maybe we forgot what it means. You are my brothers. If you are Christian, you are my brother. If you are Christian, you are my sister. But not just like a, a, a title that we have. It, it, it's something that is true. We are bounded by blood. We are brothers and sisters. We are family. We are supposed to love each other. And, and again, you can say, I love you, Juan, but not here. No. It's the person that you come together as a local church because this letter was sent to a local church. 
People say, I would love to go to China. I love the Chinese people. You love them because you don't know them. <laughs> but as soon as you spend time with them, you will realize that they are just the same sinners as the one that you have in front of you, behind you, or next to you. So it's not about what they do. It's about what Jesus did for us. Amen? With this, we, we, we have to think about what... Paul is saying here, he says, uh, verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Is this the other reason for the rebuke? Because he's saying that when we got together and we, 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 we have the Lord's Supper, we are doing something. We are proclaiming the Lord's death. That means that Jesus dies, Jesus Christ sacrificing the cross for us, that his blood that was shed for us. But also, Paul is saying, until he comes. So Paul is saying that when the church is, is together, the church has to think two things in mind. One, Jesus' death in the cross, but also the coming back of Jesus. So that means, what is in the middle between the death of Jesus and the coming back of Jesus? We have the resurrection, we have the ascension of the Lord, and now that means that Jesus is in heaven, he's crowned king, and he's coming back. So he's not just our savior, because when we say he died on the cross, we think about the savior. Yeah, he died for me. But we don't say so often, now he is ruling from heaven. He is the king of kings. He is in heaven and he is the king. Amen? What does it mean? He, that means that he is the one who rules our life. I don't know here, but in Colombia there is this false doctrine that is, is very deep. People saying, you can decide if you want to follow Christ just as your savior, or just as your Lord, or Savior and Lord. Well, the Bible doesn't allow you to do that. He is both. He's Savior and Lord. And actually, so often he's presented Lord and Savior. So my friends, what Paul is saying here is that, okay, for those Christians in the church, in, in that city that is still saying, no, I, I won't talk to this guy, it's not optional. It's a command. It's a commandment. It's something that you have to do. It's something that you have to follow Christ's instructions. Remember in verse, when we start, in the next instructions. It's not saying, well, I would love to see this happening in the church. It's not something he would love to see. It's something that he's demanding to see. Jesus Christ, as our Lord, is demanding from us that we love each other. Why? Because he loves us. And if someone says, you know, I can't, truly I can't love the other person, maybe you have a bigger issue. Maybe you haven't born at all. Maybe you aren't being safe. Why? Because if the love of God is in your heart, even if you don't want to, you will be able to love the others because it's not something good from us. Take a look around outside the church. People hate each other. They don't know each other, but they hate each other. They make difference for too many reasons. But in the church, there is something beautiful because we have people from different uh, places, people from different skin colors, people from different background, speaking about everything. Uh, education, econ uh, economy, money, whatever. And we love each other. Why? Because we are good? No. Because the love of Christ is in us. And that was allow us to love each other. That's the, the commandment. The first great commandment, what it, what it is? Love God. And the second one, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So that's what Paul is addressing, addressing here. As a servant, as a servant of the already crowned king, we are we're supposed to look up for what is important to Jesus. And according to this text, what is important to Jesus is the unity of the church. If you have read John chapter 17, when Jesus is praying for the church, it's like a, the, the priest prayer, he's asking the Father for the unity of the church. 
This is something very important, something we have to take care, something that is worthy to die, or the hill that, I, I know that here there is an expression, choose the hill you are uh, willing to die for or, or in. This is one of those hills, the unity of the church. That's something you have to fight for it. That's something you have to, pers to, 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 to preserve in the middle of the church. Um, at the end, we have uh, warnings and hope. So verses 27 to 34, I won't go so deep, but we have a warning that, that, that is very important because Paul is saying here that whoever, therefore, so for those who say no, anyway, I, I won't be talking to that person. For those who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, and, and yes, unworthy manner here allows people that is uh, committing sin, that is really involved in pornography and having repent, people involved in adultery, in robbery, all, all kinds of sins, you can put it here. But if you follow the text, the context of the text, it's not about adultery, it's not about robbery, it's not about pornography, it's about being in division and being selfishness with each other. That is what unworthy manner means in our text. So think about how many times we can come to have the, the, or, or share the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. That's something important. That's something that we have to think about it. And how can I help and how can I work for the unity of the church? Verse 28, let a person examine themselves so they can eat the bread and drink the cup in a proper Way And he gives warnings in verse uh, 30. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Three things that should be scary. People weak, people maybe who have depression, people ill, have any kind of disease, and people that actually have died because they share the Lord's Supper divided with their brothers and sisters. But... What is amazing in this is that verse uh, 32 gives us hope. Because we say, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined. So that we may not be condemned along with the world. This is something amazing. Because even though that the Lord might bring discipline, it's discipline. Even though that some of them have died, has passed away because they were coming in divisions to having the, to having the, the, the Lord's Supper, that was not a reason to condemn them. Paul is saying something very crystal here and something that I hope brings hope to you, my friends. That when God disciplined the church, it's because they love the church. It's a father who is loving and instructing their kids. It's like the Hebrews chapter 12 speaks about. It's what is Paul saying here, that we are disciplined in a way that we won't be condemned with the world. So even in the middle of this, maybe if you are here and you are thinking that you have some issues with somebody else and maybe you are condemned, there is hope for us. This is the gospel. Yes, we sin. Yes, we struggle. Yes, we are still people who are dealing with selfishness. We are still people struggling with this uh, tender to be, uh, to be divided with other people, to have divisions among, uh, among the church, but there is hope in here. If you are truly a Christian, you might come, you can come today before the Lord and ask him, ask him for the strong, the willingness to reveal, to restore any broken relationship with your brothers or sisters to fight back any, any thoughts, any feelings in your heart when you hear somebody who has a different position in any issue and you want to take distance with that person. You don't have to do it because we have the Holy Spirit. This is the big picture. We forgive each other because he has forgiven us. Jesus has forgiven us and he has not taken distance from us. This is amazing. Whatever you are doing, there hasn't been one day when Jesus say, too much, Juan. Take, take one, two, two more meters over there, Juan. I don't want to talk to you this day. No, he's always there. And as he's always there, we can count with all the help we need to restore any relationship that is broken here. So the last minute that I have, 
Where was the mission, Juan? Okay. You cannot go out or support church planting, send missionaries, or whatever ministry that you want to get involved if you don't act like a healthy member of your local church. Every effort to plant more churches, every effort to advance the gospel, the kingdom of God, is always coming from inside a local church. If you don't love your local church, what is the goal of going planting another church? If you believe the local church, the person in the local church, they are just, ah, the church would be great just without the persons in the, in the church. Why do you want to plant churches? Why do you want to support some missionary? Why do you want to go overseas to find more people like the ones that you have in here? So the only way we will achieve, and you will achieve, global missions. I saw that you have some posters that say global grace missions, I think it says. That's amazing. That means that you have this in mind. That's something great. And I would love to talk here, say this, this support our mission. Yes, we need support, but first of all, I want to be trustful and faithful to the word of God, and the word of God teach me that the major issue is not planting other churches. The major issue now is to have more healthy local churches who love each other, who live according to the gospel in order to send healthy church planters, in order to support other churches. That's great. But what's the point if we don't love each other in our local church? We need to work on that. We need to ask Jesus and the Holy Spirit to uh, give us the willingness and the power to do that through the gospel. Amen? Let's pray. Um, will be done. Father, thank you. I thank you for, for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for the opportunity to, to, to share the gospel, the opportunity to preach the word. And, and I ask you that my imperfect words are, are planted in a perfect way in their hearts. That if somebody here needs to restore in a relationship, they can do it today. And if anybody here is not safe, to listen to this, to understand how much Jesus loves us. They, they can come to you. They can come to you for forgiveness. And they can be adopted as a children of God. We ask you that in Jesus' name. Amen.